somebody going to speak before I do? Well, we finished up our series on parables, and last week we talked about that prophecy from Isaiah that was for Sodom and Gomorrah, and today we're going to look at Colossians. For the next three weeks, we're going to be in the book of Colossians and uh, kind of work our way toward Thanksgiving and, and talk about thankfulness and what that looks like, and the Apostle Paul, as he wrote this, this letter to, to the church, just can't get over this idea of thankfulness. Every, it seems like every phrase, every paragraph, there's more thankfulness. I thank God every day for you, brothers and sisters in Christ. And if you read any of Paul's letters, a lot of it is, he's just thankful. He, he's just, he's, thankfulness is wired into who Paul is. So I invite you to turn with me to Colossians chapter 1, verses 9. We're going to start in verse 9, and we're going to go through verse 20. Um, and uh, so, so we went through the parables, which are more stories, and today we get some more kind of some kind of the other end of the spectrum. We're going to get some theological thoughts from the Apostle Paul, and, and we're going to work through some of those. So this, this might be a little wordy as I read it, but uh, I, think, I think by the end, God wants to speak to us through this. So we'll start in verse 9, and, and you can stay seated as we're reading quite a bit here. For this reason... Since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience. And giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. This is the word of the Lord, and we can say, thanks be to God. We're spoiled. We are spoiled, as some of y'all might say. I mean, think about it. You can be sitting on the couch at your house. And all of a sudden, you just crave sweet tarts. For some of you, it might be chocolate. I heard recently that for Christy, it's Whoppers, that, that Whoppers is the go-to. But you're sitting on the couch, and you don't have whatever it is you're craving. And around here, within about 10 minutes in the car, you can get almost anything that you're craving. Of course... This will also grow as your income grows, right? 
when you just when you have a somewhat decent income and you know that you can afford a pack of sweet tarts on a regular basis if you want sweet tarts you just stop and you get some sweet tarts but then we've gotten even more spoiled and nowadays in society if your income increases a little bit you don't have to go get your own sweet tarts you know why you can get on an app and have somebody bring you sweet tarts you'll pay them like fourteen dollars to do it but people do it because it's convenient we're spoiled and then as your income grows this continues to grow to the point that as you probably know now you can just get on an app and order a car and while some of us would probably have to finance a vehicle there are people that don't have to finance vehicles and if they're just sitting on the couch and say eh, you know we bought a white one last month but I really like the black one they can just get on the app order their car sometimes same day cars delivered to your house we're spoiled it doesn't take a lot of work while there are some conveniences in our society that I think have actually hindered us, I, I really do, we just can't deny that today we are spoiled. If, if we're in, in this room today, we're spoiled, and, and we could name hundreds and hundreds of ways. But as, as we look at the book of Colossians for the next couple of weeks, I want us to keep that, that thought of our own spoiledness at, our, at the forefront of our minds. I'm not trying to condemn this or saying that we're doing anything wrong. It's the society we live in, and we just have to accept it. But throughout Colossians, we're going to see a repetitive theme of thankfulness. And in our culture, that's where November always takes us. It's all about Thanksgiving, and, and we, we focus in, and then for some reason, turkey was the chosen bird, but we feast, and we're thankful. So for the next three weeks, that's what we're going to look at, Thanksgiving in Colossians. Just a couple of years ago, uh, if, if you remember, Pastor Josh did a series on happiness. And one of the things that he said about happiness that has stuck with me is, is one of the key ways that people seem to have increased happiness is to keep a gratitude journal. To keep something, whether it's a list in, in your pocketbook or maybe a journal, uh, that every day you add to it. Things that you're thankful for. And you keep it at the forefront of your mind. I'm thankful for these things. It helps you remember your spoiledness. And now there's nothing special about the journal itself, but the goal of this practice is to write in it every day and and to allow it to begin to shape you. And if you already journal, I want to encourage you just add this to your list. As you write your paragraph or however you do it every day, make a list off to the side of thankfulness, things you're thankful for. And if you're not a regular journaler, I'd like to encourage you to start this throughout the month of November. Maybe you keep it in your dresser and add to it in the morning and at night. Maybe you carry it with you in your, in your purse or in your wallet. And as you think of things, you write it down. But that can be a very long list if we commit to it for a month. Paul's letters to the churches are almost his gratitude journal. Because what he does is he sits down and, and no matter how terrible the church is, he always starts out about the good things. He always says, dear so-and-so, really how you should open any letter, right? Dear so-and-so, you are so good at this, you're really good at this, now let's talk about these other things that you could work on. And then he was a pretty good leader because he normally ends the letter with more compliments. And it's kind of a sandwich of, hey, let's, let's work on this and let's grow. So with all of this in the back of our mind, let's look at what we read this morning. Now, in his letters, Paul, he can become a little bit of a blabbermouth, right? I mean, 
I'm not meaning that in a rude way, but you heard what I read this morning. It just kind of seems like boom, 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 boom. He's all over the place. He's just spitting it out. But see, Paul can say a lot in just a few words. But it seems like a lot because of the deepness and the vastness of what he's saying. It's heavy stuff. There are other people that are blabbermouths, and they take ten minutes to be said what could be said in one sentence. And we call those people preachers. Thank you. Now, I'm obviously kidding, but there's a lot here to look at. So I'm going to pull a few concepts. The first half of this text is Paul really talking about his hope for the fellow, his fellow believers. He's really, he, he's recognizing that, that it's not his job just to be happy with where he's at, but it's his job to spread it and to bring others into it and to hurt other people are not in the spirit. The important part here is, is that Paul recognizes that this only comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. We live in a fascinating time, as there's so many debates over power, right? Even today, not so much, I'm not thinking of political power, I'm thinking of energy, right? There's this huge debate going on, on uh, over, is electric power the way that we're going to go? Is this the way of the future? Or do we continue with gas-powered? And now, I don't think that people on either side of that want to see the earth disintegrate. I think they both have good intentions, and they both, both sides realize that something has got to happen. They're, they're concerned about renewable energy, and, and I would say probably 99% of people on both sides of these arguments would say, I'm not worried about us. I'm not worried about me right now. I'm worried about the future. I'm worried about my kids and my grandkids and my great-great-great-great-grandkids. Are they going to have enough renewable energy? How is this going to work? What's this going to look like in, in several years? But you see, Paul gets it. He gets it. He realizes that there is one source of power. And it's not a political source. It's not a renewable energy source. But it is the power to have life. And it is only through the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the only sustainable source of renewable energy that can keep us in patience and grant us endurance. And this is only possible because of Christ's death and resurrection for the redemption of sin. Please tell me you hear that noise. Barry, can you kill the monitors maybe? Or it might be this. Totally this. You're welcome. All right. And we call those people preachers. We'll start from there. No. Okay. So, so Paul understands the Holy Spirit, and, and the, the words he uses there are endurance and patience. And when, I, when we weren't sure if the kids were going to be in here today, I thought what I was going to do, well, I guess I could have you guys do it, but I don't think it would be nearly as funny as, but... I was going to have the kids split into two, two sides, and I was going to say, okay, you guys are the endurance side, and you guys are the patience side. And I was going to have the endurance side start doing jumping jacks, and then have the patience side sit on the stairs and do absolutely nothing, and just watch the endurance side. 
And what would have happened is we would have watched these guys get tired after, you know, 30, 45 seconds. They would have been huffing and puffing. And, and these guys would have kind of been stirring and like, hey, I want to do jumping jacks. I want to do something. Why am I in the patience group? How do I pull this straw? They're two vastly different things. Endurance, keep going, keep going, keep going. Here's the strength to endure. And then patience. The strength to sit and to wait. But Paul is convinced that the same power source can allow us to do both things. That's important. We don't need electric energy to sit still and gas energy to to endure. We need the Spirit to do all things. About a year ago, I preached a sermon on God and time. I know you all remember it, and so I might... This is probably review for all of us, but... This section kind of gets a little confusing especially for somebody that maybe has never really known much about God or or read much of scripture and then we get all this language like Paul calls Jesus the image of the invisible God well if there's an image of him is he really invisible what how do we deal with this um we we understand it as people in the church we think yes God is unseen but God gave us Jesus so that Jesus could be the image of the invisible we got that God became visible through the person of Jesus. Now we get to the fun stuff. All things were created in him and through him. So the Jesus that came after the entire Old Testament worth of history is the one through whom all things were made. What do we do with that? The birth of Christ, the the accounts in the Gospels, they're not flashbacks. They're not saying... Oh yeah, and this happened at the beginning, before the Old Testament. That's not what they are. They're not the part of the movie where the, the words come up at the bottom, 2,000 years ago. You know what I mean? That's not what's happening when we read the account of, of the birth of Jesus. It happens in the middle. <laughs> but then Paul's trying to claim that Jesus is the one through whom all things were made. While we're not exactly sure how it is that God views time, I am convinced that God views time differently than we do. And I really appreciate the thoughts and and words of Robert Jensen who says that just because we see time in a linear function doesn't mean that God has to. Just because we see time this way does not mean that God has to. So if we have that in mind, Jesus could have very well been the way in which God began the work of creation. And according to Paul, Jesus was always a part of it. And we read this in other parts of scripture. In my favorite chapter, John chapter 1. In the beginning was the word, right? The word was always there. But then the word comes later. What do we do with that? We, We just have to accept the fact that God time differently than we do. Remember that God is always Father, Spirit, and Son. We can be thankful today that the one who made the ultimate sacrifice has been a part of the God team, the community of God, since day one. Everything was created to glorify Him, is what Paul says. All things were made for Him. And I'm sorry to tell you that the end, the, the verse 15 does not end with your name. It doesn't say that all things were created by him for Ryan. If, if that was the case, 
then ants would not have been created because I am allergic to ants. And I get one little bite and I just swell up everywhere. If that was the case, then yogurt would not exist. Because in my diet, yogurt has no place. But it is plentifully available in the grocery stores. If that verse had your name on the end of it, the world would look differently. But it, your name is not at the end of verse 15. My name is not at the end of verse 15. It says that by and all things are made through him, for him. This could very well explain why there will be more than one name on the ballots that we vote on this week. All things are made for him, through him. Now, the last, the last part of this is, is that Paul goes on to say that Christ is the head of the church. And I will say this every time I bring this up, but this is one of the most encouraging snippets of scripture for pastors. Because it just takes the weight that you, that you slowly start to bear and you're just reminded... That Christ is the head of this thing. That it's not about us. I'm not the head of this organization that has to have all the answers for sermons, answers for toilets, to with what envelopes we use for offering, and you know how we paint the parking spaces. I don't have to have those answers. Christ is the head of the church, the body of Christ. He is the firstborn from among the dead. Well, what do we mean by that? Well, it is what it sounds like. Paul knew the resurrection had taken place. And while we have seen people raised from dead before, right? Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Lazarus needed help. Jesus didn't need help. Jesus is the firstborn from among the dead. God was pleased that Jesus was the member of the Trinity that got to fully embody who God is and to be the way in which that all things are reconciled. Although God knew that the price was high, God knew that the only source of power that could sustain had to be made available to all that, that would require, and that requirement was his death and his resurrection. It's wordy, right? It's gonna, the rest of Colossians is wordy, but we're going to work through it together. You know, I joke about saying verse 15 doesn't end with your name. But man, I think we all need that reminder sometimes. We've got to be reminded that, man, this whole creation thing isn't about me. You know, it's, it's kind of like if I if I'd had done my research well. You guys know, though, it, in, in science history, we used to think that everything revolved around the world. Right, that the, war, that the earth was the center and everything was going around it. And then one day, science and data improved and we realized, oh no, <laughs> we're wrong. So it's, it's reassuring to us today to be reminded that it's not all revolving around you. Which means that you don't have to be the one that holds it together. But you've got to be a part of listening to the one who does hold it all together. So our, our word thanksgiving that we use, it actually comes from the word, which is eucharista. 
this thing that we do, we often call it communion, but the Greek word for this is Eucharist. So today as we start our series on thanksgiving and thankfulness, there's no better way than to partake in the sacrament that is Eucharist in flesh and blood. It's thanksgiving in a sacrament. And so I'll I'll remind you that today as we partake in communion, that, that the Church of the Nazarene practices open communion, which means you don't have to be a Nazarene, you don't have to have gone through any classes. We just say that if Jesus is Lord of your life, then this table is for you. And this morning, if there's something that's come between you and the Lord, then before we partake, that you would pray and ask God to seek your heart, to point those things out to you, to convict you of those, so that you can ask for forgiveness and be freed from those things. Karen's going to come and play for us as we partake. Um, I'm going to ask if if we could get a couple of volunteers to come and and pass out uh, the elements this morning. Um, Maybe four volunteers would be great. As they distribute the elements this morning, I ask that you keep them as, as you get them, and, uh, and let's reflect in prayer.
everyone been served? If you noticed, I lit the Christ candle this morning. This candle, I've never really talked about it. I don't know if, we, if we've mentioned it, but the, the symbol that's on it here, it's called the Cairo symbol. And, and the reason for that is because the X is a Chi and the P looking is, is Rho. These are the first two letters in the Greek word Christos, which means Christ. And so this, there's, there's nothing special about this candle. In fact, it's an imposter. We have a little candle on the top of it so that we don't burn the big candle. But what it does represent for us today is to remind us that in this meal, Christ is present. That the one who is the firstborn among the dead, the one by through whom all things were made and for whom all things were made is present with us even now as we partake in his broken body and his shed blood. And on the night that, that, that Jesus was betrayed, he met with his most beloved, his closest friends for the Passover meal. A meal of thanksgiving. And at, at the beginning of the meal, he took the bread and he broke it and he gave thanks for it. And he said that this is my body which is broken for you. Take and eat in remembrance of me. And after the meal had concluded, they, they came to the last cup. And they passed it around and they drank, drank from one cup. And Jesus said to them, This is my blood of the new covenant which has been shed for you. Take and drink in remembrance of me. So today I hope that you see that as we participate in remembrance around the table of the Lord, then we're not just remembering, but we're participating in what God is doing in the world. And what is God doing us? God is calling us back to a table of thanksgiving. A table where we can feast together and be thankful. Where we can be unified. Not uniform, but unified. And that's only going to come through the presence of the one who invites us to the meal. Amen? Amen. Well, it's been a great day of worship today. I invite you to stand and receive a blessing as we go from this place. May the God of all peace sanctify you through and through so that you can go from this place as a people of thanksgiving that we're taught to be thankful through this holy meal. And it's in your name we pray, Lord. Amen. Amen. Go in his grace and his peace.